0: Our scripture lesson this morning is from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 19 through 23. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
1: My friends, it's a delight to be with you in worship this morning. If you're a regular Zoomer of the 9 a.m. service or an attender in person, you notice that things are a little different. Reverend Chambers is a guest worship leader in another state helping a friend out. But don't worry, we still have great music stylings, don't we? Dr. David Oliver over here is uh, the organist at Ebenezer Baptist, and we're graced to have his presence with us this morning. Uh, do show a, grat- a debt of gratitude by a round of applause for him, please. I was singing Great Is Your Faithfulness over here as you played. Uh, uh, just, you made it come out. It was a such a lovely, lovely play. It's a delight to be with you on this wonderful day after a great victory yesterday. You know what I'm talking about. Um, Illinois upset Penn State. Remarkable. Oh, is there another victory that you're excited about? Okay. Yes, the Braves won. Totally cool. Everyone just get it out of your system and say yay or something. All right. No more talk of that. This is about Jesus. All right. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to empty our lungs so that when we breathe in, we remember we're breathing in the breath of God. Exhale. Breathe in the breath of God. God, give us help today. You are our creator, our sustainer, our redeemer. You have fearfully and wonderfully made this world that we are part of. Help us to understand our place as earthlings in this world. Help us to understand our place as stewards and priests of creation. Send your spirit to be with us as we think about this text. For you and I know that without you, I can do nothing. So to all people who listen, let your spirit come into their hearts that they may be refreshed from this passage of Scripture. It's in your son's name we pray and God's people say together. Amen. The other night, Colleen was lying in bed. She was reading. I was going to go downstairs to watch some more television, stay up a little later than her. And her sister called her, her youngest sister. And she goes, what does she want at this hour? The next morning at the breakfast table, I said, well, what did Kelly want? She said, well, she was on her way to the doctor. Kelly is a mother of four and she's pregnant with her fifth child. And there are some complications. Do say a prayer for my family, if you would. There are minor complications, but she has to go twice a week to the doctor just to be checked on for these complications. So the doctor's appointments are relatively late so that uh, her husband, my brother-in-law, can watch the kids and, you know, keep them all sorted out. They're like rambunctious boys in that house. She just called Colleen to say that she was driving in the car, and at this late stage in the pregnancy, she had the pains and discomforts of pregnancy that only women who've had children know what it's like. She said she found herself driving just going, uh groaning out loud and alone. And she said it kind of soothed her. Now we groan for a lot of reasons. Maybe we groan because we're in agony or we're in pain. Or maybe someone like me comes to you and says, why did the skeleton not go to the dance? Because he had nobody to go with. You might groan over a bad pun or what's called a dad joke. And I bust that one out in Halloween time for you. Uh, Don't forget to share it with your neighbors. But groaning is one way that we express ourselves and how we are relating to our situation in the wider world. As it was read a moment ago, St. Paul tells the church in Rome that even creation, by the way, in the Christian tradition your creation. Creation is not something we're distinct from. But I believe here he's talking not just about human creation and non-human creation. I believe St. Paul's referencing the cosmos. Everything. Everything that has its source and origin in God. And creation is groaning. Why? It's groaning in labor pains, waiting for the moment that it will be restored, redeemed, or in other words, saved. If you really take a close look at the book of Romans, the lamp of salvation, it gets larger throughout the book. And now we get to chapter 8 and we find out that it includes the entire physical cosmos, the world. Creation is waiting. reminds me of that Marvin Gaye song where he says, it makes me want to holler. That's what creation is doing, waiting for us, waiting for the world to be made right by God and for us as certain sorts of uh, uh, creations within creation to treat it better. You see, there's a theology in the church, in the modern church, that's gone off the rails. We can see its traces in Plato and The Manichaean religion and the Aryan tradition of the ancient world, and we see it even find itself in uh, Cartesianism. That's a fancy word for saying something having to do with Rene Descartes, the philosopher. But the philosophy says something like this that what is good is our spirit, our soul, or just our interior world, right? That's good. What's bad is the body or the physical world outside. And so in some way, shape, or form, we're trying to get the goodness of us to be released from this prison, to escape. And Christians talk about just going off to a place called heaven. I remember when I was a kid, now I'm going to offend some of you, and I really am sorry about that, but I'm going to do it because it's my pastoral duty. I remember as a young boy in church, Bob Marner, the bass guitarist, sat over here and my friend played the piano, she sat over here. My friend Helen, she played the organ, she sat here. And I played the drums. And we did all these southern gospel hymns. And the one thing I know about drumming comes from basically uh, either rock music or hip-hop music. So I would often put down a little hip-hop beat below these gospel, southern gospel hymns. I'm sure I made a lot of old ladies in the church angry. I may have made a few lose their faith. So we sang the song. It's a real revivalist song, sung at camp meetings. And I put a little hip hop beat to it. It's, like, it's a nice little, it's got a nice rhythm to it. It goes like, I'll fly away. Oh glory, I'll fly away. Hallelujah, by and by baby. I always put baby in there and it's not in the hymn. I'm sorry, but that's some bad theology. Yet, yeah, it's something that, that we've come to accept because it's been in our hymnody for a while. The idea of the song is that one day I'm going to get out of this bad place. Can I tell you that nowhere I can read in Scripture did God create, look down and say, oops, I made a mistake. In fact, that creation story, God keeps saying, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And put together at the very end, and it's biodiversity, he says, it's very good. It is bad Christian theology to assume that what happened was something went wrong within creation and God said, oh boy, I guess I'm going to have to scrap it, throw it away, and go to plan B. If I know anything about God, I'm not sure I know very much, but if I know anything, God doesn't make mistakes like that. If you read the book of Genesis and you just don't stop until you get to the end of Revelation, what you will see time and again is that God loves this place and wants to dwell in it with us. That God values the created world that he made. That God values your body. In fact, the Christian hope isn't about escaping. The Christian hope is about resurrection, newness, wholeness, redemption, means that all things have been made new, there's a person named Jesus who in fact says, behold, I have made all things new. That is the hope. That is the hope. And so we are called to look at Romans today together and hear from Paul the testimony of the rest of the created order, it's groaning. It's groaning because we've made a mess of it. And we got to do something about it. You see, we're called to help God make things new now. The real shape of Christian faith is not this well, God will come back one day and fix everything so we can ignore the problems of today. I've heard some people ask me that. Why worry about climate change? Why worry about recycling? Why worry about plastic in the water? Why worry about, and list the environmental issue. And of course, environmental stuff is tied up with politics, so it divides people. But Christians ought to be the ones at the front of this conversation because we're creation of a creator, and we know it's destiny. So I've heard people say, why worry about any of that? God's going to come back and he's going to sort it all out. Firstly let me say we don't act that way about other things. We don't think, well why don't, we just, let's commit murders if we want. Let's just steal from people if we want. Let's do these terrible things in the world. Let's keep being, being unjust because you know what? God's going to come and, and fix it all. We can we can have our cake now, and God will clean up our mess. No, we know right here. We know in our hearts that we have a moral responsibility. We know in our hearts that we're made for something more, made for something better than that. That's not true living. The other thing I can say is that the the shape of Christian faith is, is proleptic, which is a $10 word. I'm going to try to define it for you as I've done before. Proleptic faith is looking at what God says God will do in the future and live that in the present. So it's about your hope. It's about what you trust. It's about taking what God promises in the future and making it about you today. And if you don't believe that that's the shape of Christian faith, I'm going to prove you wrong now because you've already confessed it in a prayer this morning. We as a community said, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. We're asking for it to happen. We're asking to be agents of God's kingdom now, not simply waiting, but practicing in the now. St. Paul reminds us that creation is groaning. It's waiting for the sons and daughters of God to be realized and made manifest. It's not simply that we who mourn are waiting for the day of resurrection. It's the creation itself, the whole creation with its wounds waiting for flourishing, waiting for newness, waiting for restoration, or as the title of one book is uh, on my shelf. Salvation means creation healed. I don't know where you're at on these issues politically and I really just don't care. Be a Christian. Christians ought to be at the forefront of scientific research like we used to be. We really ought to be trying to understand climate sciences. We need to not just speak what pundits say. We need to actually speak truth and knowledge on this. We ought to be on the forefront of asking ourselves, how can we make the world around us flourish? And I always say, begin with your, your own yard. Or if you want to make it really simple, the call for a Christian always and at all times, to quote Stanley Hauerwas, is to live gently in the world. Do we live in a way that's gentle? Or do we live in a way that's harmful? Bless you.